easily distract. Sit up front. It helps me to concentrate. It puts me at ease. Once my physical being is at ease and I can exhale, I can hear better. And when I can hear better, I can identify it better. And, and I can remember sitting back in the back. And that's where I told myself that maybe it wasn't that bad for me. That's where I identified out. I was sitting back in the back, you know, and I'm listening to the stories. And I told myself that, hey, I didn't go to jail. I didn't eat a dead squirrel out of the trash can. You know, I didn't sleep in an abandoned bus. Maybe it wasn't that bad. For me. And, and that's where I came up with that, sitting back in the back. And when, when I heard that person share that there was a skid row bum on the sofa, I grabbed that and I gravitated to the front of the room. From that point on, y'all are saying stuff that I need to hear. And it, it struck me in here. Sit up front and identify in. Find the similarities in your story and the person that's speaking. Identify in every chance you get. And so I, I always say people die so I can sit up front. So I sit up front wherever I go. I heard it through the grapevine. Welcome. It's the AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour featuring the collected voices of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm Don, an alcoholic from Greensboro, North Carolina. Hey, Don. Hey, everybody. I'm Sam, an alcoholic in Palm Springs, California. What do you say, Sam? <laughs> Don, <laughs> tell me something. What is the best thing that happens once a month? Mm, bath day. We take a bath once a month, whether we need it or not. Believe me, that is a good thing. And I tell you, I seem to have more friends around after bath day. I don't know what's up with that. Maybe we should make it bi-monthly. <laughs> it might help my self-esteem. Yeah. But no, the new oh. grapevines are here. The new grapevines are here. <laughs> That's right. The new grapevine is all about our beloved book, The 12 by 12, which is misnamed because it's actually eight and a half by five and a half. Hold oh, on. I measured it. I think we need to put that into wit's end. <laughs> you know it's the 12 and 12. <laughs> Bill W.'s book about the 12 steps and the 12 traditions. And this month is a celebration of 70 years with this beloved AA book. It was first published in April 1953. You know, the first time I went through the steps with my sponsor, he used the 12 and 12, so I did. And that book made more sense to me than the big book when I first, you know, was in AA. I just, I couldn't yeah. make it. Yeah, I didn't, I couldn't make any sense out of the big book. But the 12 and 12 spoke to me really directly. I liked it. After that, you know, I've learned to love the big book in a big book study group. But mm -hmm. um, it was the 12 and 12 that I really responded to. Well, you know, I think one of the interesting things about 12 and 12, it, it's a little more concise in some ways. Now, you know, step six and seven are definitely a lot longer than 12 and 12. Yeah. But it was written after Bill had some time under his belt. Yeah. It's a look at the steps through the lens of having some time of being sober. And I think that that's unique and useful, too. You know, there's a history article on page 10 in the new issue, The Grapevine, and I learned members were urging Bill to write a book on the steps and the traditions. Bill reported to the 1952 conference that he was working on a book project that included, quote, a new series of anecdotal analyses of the analyses, analyses, <laughs> analyses 
Okay, it's not analysis. <laughs> I think you should go with analysis. <laughs> A new series of anecdotal analyses of the 12 traditions and a series of orderly point-by-point essays on the 12 steps. Okay, so now that's the quote. Now, how is it that you would have said it? (laughs) I would have still be going, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so the individual essays were published in the Grapevine magazine in 1952 and 53. These essays became the book. Bill used the grapevine to communicate with the fellowship. The magazine has always played an important role in AA. And the grapevine has always been about our stories. The article has a letter of Bill's that explains his concerns about the book as he was writing it. Quote, many of us felt that there ought to be a fairly authoritative exposition of each step in each tradition. But the method of exposition is not the method by which AA usually teaches. Nearly everything in the way of communication between AA is made story fashion. I love that. I love that too. I mean, our one of the strongest things we've got in AA is storytelling. It's That's story. how we help each other. Mm, yes. Hugely. So that is super cool. And the stories continue in this month's issue. Invaluable Insights, a longtimer shares how the 12 and 12 helped him through a period of depression. He had learned that Bill also suffered from long periods of depression and was, in fact, dealing with it as he was writing the chapters. Bill found the process of writing every day quite difficult, even painful, but in the end, therapeutic. Yeah, the article makes me want to reread the 12 and 12 with an eye on what Bill may have been experiencing when he was writing it. The Valuable Insights article has a lot of valuable insights. <laughs> <I guess. laughs> that's, that's really odd way of putting that, Don. <laughs> in Truly Belonging, a woman shares how she fell into a 12 and 12 study group early on that helped her feel part of, and it sure didn't hurt that they had great coffee cake. <laughs> that always helps. <laughs> it's a plus. <laughs> and a member in Kelowna lovingly shares about a group on a Hawaiian beach that loves their 12 and 12 in 12 Steps to Maui. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who's our guest today, Sam? Don, today's guest is Lonnie D., the author of Street Tough. The story description says, growing up in D.C., he learned to drink and fight, but in A.A., he learned to surrender. His story is on page 40 of the June 2023 issue. All right. Just for fun. Now, he's been sober for a little while. Let's see if we can get him riled up. Don, (laughs) you are trouble. Sam, how can I support the AA Grapevine podcast? Since the Grapevine is self-supporting, we don't sell ad space in our magazines, on our website, or even in our podcast. Grapevine doesn't even accept contributions from AA members. What? If you want to support this podcast, visit aagrapevine.org and click on store. Hi guys, my name is Lonnie. My sober date is July 2nd, 1990. I am a native born 
Washington, D.C. resident. My home group is the What's Happening Now group of Alcoholics Anonymous here in D.C., but my home base is our local AA club. That's the Metropolis Club. So yeah, I haven't had a drink in 32 years. Coming to you from the home of my paternal great-grandfather, you say that I learned how to fight and drink. And this is where I lost all the fights. Uh, oh. <laughs> this is where a lot of them happened. Uh, I mean, this is where I, I would come to really party on the weekend. This is your stomping grounds. <laughs> this is my stomping ground. There you go. I love that you said that the Metropolis Club is your home base. Does your home group meet there or do you just go to a lot of meetings at Metropolis? I go to a lot of meetings at Metropolis Meets. The home group is meeting virtually now, but we were meeting in a church basement. That happens a lot, doesn't it? There's a lot of <laughs> It's either a church basement or a club, it seems like. Yeah. Occasionally, it's a uh, hairstyling school. That's true. I went to a meeting one time <laughs> that was in an ice cream parlor. Oh, that works. I thought I was going to get ice cream, but they're closed. <laughs> I've been in a meeting that was held in a bar. Oh, yeah. That was interesting. We've got one here that meets in a cigar store. Oh, you told me earlier you smoke cigars. Can you smoke during the meeting? Yeah. Yeah, oh. that's why we go. <laughs> you said your home group is what's happening now. What's what's happening now? What's that name mean to you? The group is about, I think we're 45 years old. To the best of my recollection, years ago, somebody on a Friday night asked that question in the meeting when someone was sharing. Maybe they were sharing about some esoteric stuff way out in the in the stratosphere. <laughs> and somebody shouted out, well, what's happening now? Tell us about what's going on now. And the name stuck to the group. I wow. love that. I can totally hear someone is uh, is caught up in the drunkalog, maybe. And uh, <laughs> well, what's it like today? Yeah. yeah. Well, Lonnie, what was going on that brought you into these rooms? It came as a result of a cry out for divine help, divine intervention. And I got to the Metropolis Club in large part by a huge break in Tradition 11, that tradition that tells us that we ought to maintain anonymity at the level of press, radio, and film. Well, mm -hmm. at my bottom, after losing all the fights and all of the, the bad things that happened while I drank, my wife kicked me out. And I damn near killed myself. But there was a series of newspaper articles in the Washington Post in 1989. And another member in describing the activities at the club broke everybody's anonymity. Oh. Called the mayor by name, going to meetings. And it was a mess, right? The guy that broke everybody's anonymity just happened, by the grace of God, to visit my apartment building where I was hitting bottom at the same time. So I would see this guy's picture in the paper. I, and then I noticed that this little guy that was in the newspaper article visited my apartment. Um, and he was a, a, a longtime member at the Metropolis Club, a longtime member of Alcoholics Anonymous. And um, on one of those days when everything was gone and, and I was, you know, seriously considering suicide, no more dope, no more liquor, no more women. Nothing was around. Everything was gone. And by the way, the best I came up with about suicide was jumping out the window 
but I lived on the first floor, so that wasn't. <laughs> I knew a joke was coming there. <laughs> yeah, so that wasn't going to work. So I saw this guy's picture in the paper. I would see him come and go a couple of times a week. He would come see somebody who lived in my same building. Mm-hmm. And one day, I felt that guilt and remorse and shame and fear and terror and bewilderment and impending doom that the big book talks about. I approached him by name because his name was in the paper. He listened. I essentially told him my story. At the end of whatever I told him, he gave me the number to the Metropolis Club. And he told me, when you're ready, I'll pick you up and come take you to detox. I took that number and I, I put it away. And a couple of weeks later, I would call him. So again, I got here in large part as a result of breaking traditions. That's interesting. Yeah. How do you feel about that now, that tradition of anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films? I certainly appreciate the intent. I think that it may not be as relevant today as it was then. We say often that that this is a a God-given program, and that is a testament to me that even when we break the tradition, this way of life can help somebody. In other words, man can't mess this up. That's my feeling about it. I like today that people do so freely talk about their recovery. When I'm talking at a public level, I don't mention that I'm a member of AA, but I do talk about my recovery. Absolutely. It's almost in vogue to be in recovery. Everybody's in recovery. You watch TV. Compared to when I came in, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you see on movies and TV series, people sitting in AA meetings. Yeah. So so it's no longer such... uh, But, you know, I I believe that AA was represented in movies and television when I came in in 1994, but I never saw it, not once, because if I saw something like that, I don't want anything to do with anything that's talking about that. I didn't want to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Lonnie, when you came in, you're defeated. Your life is total wreck. And so now you've got this being presented to you, AA. What was the biggest obstacle to you that what AA said for you to do? Let me tell you, Don, I knew at 16 or 17 that my drinking was just not an ordinary thing. I would be with drinkers and drinkers would tell me, you need to stop drinking. (laughs) You know? Yeah. So any denial that I had or any inclination to see any of this as an obstacle was done while I was still drinking. Once I got here, y'all didn't have a problem out of me at all. I had no problems with doing what was asked because again, the physical and emotional and mental, the craziness in my head and in my body and in my life, I wanted out. When I went into detox, because I'm a drug addict also, I went in the detox for alcohol. I went in on maybe a Friday night. Saturday morning, I decided that I should be with the addicts versus the alcoholics. I didn't know Nanny. We all on the same ship going down, right? Yeah. You know. Yeah. That was one time that I identified out. And I kept that to myself. I, I thought I was supposed to be over there, but they put me over here with the winos. And I'm a wino. I fit in. Um, the second time I identified out, at Metropolis, we have just a beautiful garden of all kind of people, man, who've done all kind of terrible things. And, and that was the attraction a lot of times to the meetings when you hear all these horrible, it's wonderful like stories. a garden of people yeah. who have done horrible things. Oh, man, it, it, it's just terrible. It's beautiful. You know? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll yes, sit there and I, laugh at it. Yeah. And and I'm laughing at it. I know now because I'm identifying with the feelings, even though those things, even though I didn't eat out the trash can, I didn't eat out a public garbage can, I didn't sleep in a in, a, in an abandoned car. Mm-hmm. You know, but I could I could identify with the feelings. I maybe had less than a year. And then listening to those stories of people going to jail forever and sleeping in the street, and those things hadn't happened to me. And as you all aptly put it, if I find something that hasn't happened to me, I should put yet at the end of that (laughs) sentence because you're eligible too. So, you know, around six, seven months, I decided, man, I wasn't that bad. You know, I was bad, but those things didn't happen to me. So maybe this isn't for me. Um, And then I heard a guy essentially tell my story from the podium. Right? He said that he was a skid row bum on his living room sofa. And that fit me because in, in that apartment where I hit bottom, I stayed there for a year. I paid rent one time, mm. right? So it was just a matter of time before it was about to happen. So I find identifying in still to be the best thing that I can do whenever I'm in an AA meeting. Whoever is speaking, whatever they're talking about, I need to find something in your story that touches me and invariably. I can do that every time I walk into an AA meeting. It's there. You're right. It, it, it's there. It's there. As long as I keep my mind open. And I personally, I need to sit up front because in the back, there's a lot of distraction. I love you that. You don't want to sit on relapse row in the back? No, nah, I'm not sitting back there. I'll sit on the floor next to the podium. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Well, Lonnie, I got a question for you. Mm-hmm. What's happening now? <laughs> <laughs> What's happening now? Well, I'll tell you, Sammy boy, I mentioned earlier that I am in my great-grandfather's house. This house is in a part of Washington, D.C., a historic district called LeDroit Park. It's very near Howard University. And at its inception, it was gated and fenced, and it was whites only. My great-grandfather purchased this house as one of the first Blacks in the neighborhood around 1919. This house has been in my family for over 100 years, right? I used to come here to the old neighborhood to get drunk and fight, and raise hell. And they would literally, physically, forcibly put me out. They'd call the police on me. Of course, after I got out of the emergency room or the lockup for that weekend, I would swear that I ain't going, I'm not coming back down here with these people. I ain't fooling with them no more. Cuss them out. And I'd be back next weekend, you know. So again, when you all talked about insanity, being doing the same thing and expecting different results, you got me. No problem. Mm-hmm. So at five years sober, my grandmother, who used to also forcibly kick me out of here, she asked me to come to handle her affairs. And um, before she got too sick, she signed this house over to me. And I'm, I have raised my children, which would be her great, great, great grandchildren. The lady that kicked me out, my wife, she's upstairs right now. She's okay with you being around? Yeah, yeah. Maybe a couple, five years ago, she told me I could stay. Because <laughs> <laughs> the deal was supposed to be when I went to the halfway house out of treatment, I got kicked out and my wife told me that I could come home to wherever we were living then. She said, you can come home until you find a recovery house, an Oxford house. And and I like to say it's been 
33 years and I haven't found a recovery house yet. <laughs> just a few years ago, she told me I could stay. Well, I'm glad you finally got that blessing. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So we're raising our grandkids in this historic home. Um, we're just coming from church this morning. I'm a deacon at my church. I'm a musician at my church. I'm a musician. Um, my wife is retired. I'm still working. I probably will be till the day I die. But there's a lot to be said for just having a reason to get up and move, you know, mm-hmm. get up, it, it, <laughs> get up and, and have a reason to take a bath more frequently than, <laughs> than you guys. <laughs> now, wait, you're, you're not shaming me for taking a bath once a month now, are you? <laughs> uh, I, I, I got to go at least twice a week. Yeah. <laughs> uh. so, so, so life is good, man. Life is good. What's your AA life like today? Let me read something real quick. And this is my go-to in the big book. And it's the last personal story in the fourth edition. It's on page 553. And it's entitled, AA Taught Him to Handle Sobriety. Yeah. And it starts off by saying, God willing, we may never have to deal with drinking again, but we have to deal with sobriety every day. So I, I carry you all with me. Alcoholics Anonymous is what gives me the courage to simply get up and show up for life. But there was a time when, upon awakening, before I opened my eyes, I would be mad, I'd be pissed off, I'd be angry, I'd be afraid, you know, all of this stuff. And that has changed to now, before I open my eyes, the words to the third step prayer are in my brain. First thing. First thing. Before I open my eyes, you know. And I take it from there. Of course, I go to meetings daily. I have an 11-year-old grandson. He and his mom live with us. Um, And I take him to school every day. And he and I get a chance to bond. I make him read a couple of pages to me every day as we ride. I really enjoy being with this guy. I'm getting a chance to mold him. But our prayer, he and I, as we're riding to school every morning, is the serenity prayer and the Lord's prayer. You know, and, and we ended with keep coming back. It works if you work it, you know. So <laughs> I, I'm able to give that to him. Uh, of course, I do what you all say. I meditate in the mornings. The serenity prayer is a mantra. I mean, it, it can be from one step to the other. God grant me the serenity to put the left foot in front of the right foot. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Yeah. And accept the fact that I, I put on gray socks and I wanted to put on blue socks, you know. <laughs> So it's all in me, man. It is. So you wrote an article that you submitted to the grapevine. Mm-hmm. How did that come to be? My sponsor suggested to his group of guys, he, he meets with us weekly and we do book studies. He is a general service representative. He is constantly encouraging us to engage in Alcoholics Anonymous beyond the group level. So he, he told the guys, we all need to... Send your story into the grapevine. That was it. How hard was it to write that article? Wasn't hard. It wasn't hard at all. I enjoy telling my story. I enjoy listening to your story. I enjoy telling my story. I consider myself a pretty decent writer. So I learned to read well. My parents sent us to Catholic schools. My parents did real good by us. Of course, not soon after I learned to read and comprehend and articulate and got gold stars and spelling and all that. Not too long after that, I smoked my first joint and drank a beer, and then it was gone. 
<laughs> so that's as far as I got. So. That's where it stops, right that's there. The, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's so. a lot. Well, Lonnie, I, I, I'm so glad you joined us today. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. And I'm really glad you sent that article in. Yeah. So it, it, it gave us the opportunity to chat with you. And I got to tell you, Lonnie, you have added to my sobriety. This Just this little yes. bit of getting to know you, you've added to my Thank sobriety. You. Thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me. And I encourage others to, to get subscriptions because we need a great find. So thank you guys for having me. Thank you so much. From the past. Hello, you wonderful podcast people. This is Spencer calling from Burnaby, BC, Canada. I am an alcoholic. And I know on the podcast in the past, you've sometimes played some historical audio from AA's past, which I really enjoy. And I was recently reading the magnificent volume, Alcoholics Anonymous Comes of Age. And on page 213, Bill makes reference to a recording of the 1950 convention giving unanimous consent to accept the 12 traditions. And I'm wondering if that recording still existed and if it's worth listening to, if that's something that you could play on the podcast. I would love to hear it. Thank you all for all the things you do. Love love the show every week. Thanks for the call, Spencer. We found a recording of the 1950 convention. The recording is an hour and a half long. Six speakers talked about two of the traditions each. Then Bill W. went over them all with his experience. It's powerful to hear the whole thing. Thanks for the suggestion. We'll be playing a few excerpts in future episodes. Today, it's just Bill W. and the end of the convention. I've made kind of a digest of his talk, and Bill is a very slow, careful speaker, so I hope you won't mind. This is a highly edited version of his talk. We haven't changed his words, only his cadence has been sped up a bit for time. This excerpt is about 10 minutes long. Search for 1950 Vote at recoveryspeakers.com to hear it in full. Whatever your feelings are at this moment, if we excite discussion among you as to these traditions and what they mean to this movement of ours, we will have accomplished our end. But I do know and feel that the following summation, perhaps, there will be no question about. And so I'm very happy now to introduce Bill Wilson. When you and I are ten years older, I think we shall all look back upon this day as a great one in our history. I think we shall account it the day when we passed from adolescence into maturity, the day in which we looked our future in the face, the day in which we took great decisions affecting our destiny, and may those decisions be the right ones. You've heard a perfectly marvelous summary of our AA tradition, expressed from all quarters of this society of ours. 
They have literally welled up here in front of us, from the grassroots, the distillate of our experience in living and working together. The platform upon which we expect to stand for so long as God may need it. I suppose some here would say that I am the author of these traditions. But that is not true. It is really not true in any sense of the word. I held the pen that wrote the word. But the words are yours because they are only a mirror which reflect the experiences we have had over the years. As I glance over these short sentences, a whole rush of reminiscence comes up in my mind, and I marvel how far we have come. And I almost begin to agree that we have laid a platform out of our experience quite unlike in some respects that that any men and women ever stood upon before. It may be, in some ways, that no society like ours has ever been known. So contrary are some of these practices to our human nature. So contrary are they to the practices of the world outside. But let us make no mistake, and let us not congratulate ourselves. We shall be subject to these great storms which beat upon other societies of men, and the test is yet before us whether these forces within and without that divide all other societies today shall sometime rend ours and tear it apart. That will be the test of our maturity. Now today is the day we think that marks are emerging from adolescence into adulthood. And so it is with great pleasure that I can make to you the announcement that the Board of Trustees have authorized the formation of a yearly conference composed of regional members of AA who can assume a part of the responsibility for your services, your books, your money, your public relations. And I ask you, will you take that responsibility so vital to our unity, so vital to the million yet to come. I know you will. So these, my friends, are the principles upon which this society of ours think we would like to rest our future. Like everything in AA, there is nothing final about these pronouncements. Perhaps time will show us a better way. But in this hour, when we are passing from adolescence into maturity, isn't this a good time for us to ask ourselves, shall we adopt these those of us who sit here as our platform? Not as an official act of this movement. This movement will never have or make an official act of pronouncement. But can't we express our sentiment about it? Alcoholics Anonymous, not by any virtue of ours, certainly, but by force of circumstances, is a beautiful democracy, bordering almost on an anarchy. The right of the individual, praise God, is unquestioned to speak and to be heard. 
Therefore, I'm going to practice this democracy right now. I am going to ask any who oppose these traditions in print or any one of them to register their objections. And don't be ashamed to do so. I'm sure a majority of us will vote for them, but if any oppose them, please know that I'll defend your right to do so. If any oppose them, will they stand up? We have no time for debate. But if any seriously oppose these, will they stand? Then I suppose, by general acclamation, rather than any official act, we who are here in this hour of destiny may now be willing to rise and confirm the tradition of Alcoholics Anonymous. And then, what could be more appropriate than that we ask God's blessing upon this decision in the usual manner. Shall we not rise once more and say the Lord's Prayer? Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and give us our trespasses, and we forgive those Drunk was applying for a new job. A serious-looking personnel manager told him that the company needed an individual who was very responsible. I sure qualify, then. Everywhere I've worked, whenever something went wrong, I was responsible. (laughs) (laughs) It's really not that funny. Thanks for joining us. The AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour is posted every Monday and is produced by AA Grapevine, Inc. We don't speak for AA as a whole. We share the experience, strength, and hope of members to help others recover from alcoholism. Podcast info, including how to call in, is at aagrapevine.org podcast. Find AA Grapevine on Instagram and the AA Grapevine channel on YouTube. All things Grapevine are available at aagrapevine.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous and your city or visit aa.org.